Today's reading is from 3 John 1 to 15, which is actually all of 3 John, and that's on page 1230. The Elder, to my dear friend Gaius, whom I love in the truth, dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you, just as you are progressing spiritually. It gave me great joy when some believers came and testified about your faithfulness to the truth, telling how you continue to walk in it. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Dear friend, you are faithful in what you are doing for the brothers and sisters, even though they are strangers to you. They have told the, tru- they have told the church about your love. Please send them on their way in a manner that honours God. It was for the sake of the name that they went out, receiving no help with the pagans. We ought, therefore, to show hospitality to such people so that that we may work together for the truth. I wrote to the church, but Diothres, who loves to be first, will not welcome us. So when I come, I will call attention to what he's doing, spreading malicious nonsense about us. Not satisfied with that, he even refuses to welcome other believers. He also stops those who want to do so and puts them out of the church. Dear friend, do not imitate what is evil but what is good. Anyone who does what is good is from God. Anyone who does what is evil has not seen God. Demetrius, who is well spoken of by everyone and even by the truth itself, we also speak well of him and you know that our testimony is true. I have much to write to you but I do not want to see pen and ink. I hope to see you soon, and we'll talk face to face. Peace to you. The friends here send their greetings. Greet the friends there by name. Thank you all very much indeed for reading that. And it's great to see you here at Trinity. Welcome to you. I know it's traditional at the start of the service and when the preacher stands up to welcome people. But we really do want that welcome to be genuine and sort of to reflect God's love. So it's not just a formality. You really are welcome here in the church family this afternoon. It's great to see you. Um, We're spending the the last of a three-week series today looking at um, the book of three, John, thinking about healthy Christian relationships, what it means to walk together in the truth. Thank you so much, Will, for reading that. I really appreciate that. It's on um, that page, um, which hasn't got a number on it, page 1230 in the Bible. It's going to be a massive help to me if you can keep that open, and I'm going to be referring to that as we go along. But before we get to that, I'm going to pray, and if you'd like to, then join me in prayer. Let's pray together. Those words again that we read from Psalm 25. Show me your ways, Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me, for you are God my Savior. And Father, we want to pray very simply this afternoon as a a church that you would show us your paths and that you would guide us in your truth and that we would come to you as God our Savior. Please speak to us this afternoon through your words. Uh, by your will and, and, and by your grace. And we ask that through your Son, in his name. Amen. Um, well, I, I don't know if you've heard of the Office of National Statistics. Every year they put out some 
they put out some statistics, as the name would suggest. And, and they're specifically about friendship. The ONS puts out, um, puts out some statistics about friendship in the United Kingdom. They make quite interesting reading. And here's what stood out to me as I had a look at them this week. 10% um, of people in this country say they have no friends at all. They don't have a single friend. 10% of people in this country. And that goes up a little bit if you're a man. Uh, if, if men are less likely to have friends than women. And it goes up even more if you're aged between 25 and 49. That's interesting, isn't it? Uh, that's most of us in this church. Um, and in fact, um, I read as well that um, you're least likely to have friends if you belong to a particular political party. But I'm not going to tell you which one. You're going to have to look that up for yourself from the ONS website. But 10% of people, 10% of people in this country say they have no friends, no one that they could call a friend. That's the result of the survey that the Office of National Statistics has been publishing. And, and in that context, in a country like that, we would love the church to be a place of genuine, healthy relationships. We would love to be distinctive in that way. And where we relate to each other um, in truth and love, um, where there's a real concern for each other, which is genuine, not just, not just superficial, but it goes deep, um, where there's joy when someone does well, where there's sort of celebration of the success of other people. When Christians who turn up at church, even though we might not know them beforehand, when they turn up at church, they're welcomed in very warmly. When, when Christian workers are provided for by the church family, even if they're working in another place, we want to be able to support them. When no one has a fragile ego, that'd be wonderful, wouldn't it? We want to be a place like that. We want to, in, in the UK, we want to be that kind of place, but we know that churches aren't always like that. Sadly, it's not always like that. And we can all think of places where churches, uh, we can all think of churches where relationships have gone wrong and, and, and people have got hurt, and that should break our hearts that people have got hurt in God's church by wrong relationships. And, and, and that is why we need a book like 3 John, really. It's, it's the shortest book in the Bible. You know, it's about 300 words long. Shortest book, but it is long on relationships. It's long on healthy relationships. That's what it's all about. And those are relationships. As, as, as the Apostle John would put it, the disciple who Jesus loved wrote this book, and he talks about relationships that are full of love and truth. And, and there's so much to learn from this short little book about healthy Christian relationships. Week one, we saw that they're full of joy when other people do well. That's verses one to four. And then week two, we saw that they're full of unselfish support for gospel work. That's verses five to 10. And, and what we're going to see today in verses 11 to 14 is that, is that right imitation leads to warm affirmation of gospel friendship. That's, that's where we're going today. When it comes to gospel friendship, right imitation leads to warm affirmation. And that's the gospel friendship right at the end. Right at the end of, of the letter, the friends here send you their greeting. Greet the friends there by name. Gospel friendship. Um, that's what it's going to teach us about. That's where we're heading. 
Um, but let's start with verses 11 and 12. And we could summarize those verses a bit like this. Um, imitate people of the truth. So we're going to learn verses 11 and 12. Imitate people of the truth. Uh, perhaps, you're a, perhaps you're a good mimic. I don't know if you, if you go to that. Perhaps you can do a, a King Charles or uh, you can do a Taylor Swift or uh, some, there must be someone here who can do a good Elvis Presley. Uh-huh. You know, I don't know. I don't know who it is that you're good at sort of doing an impression of. Um, but um, put those skills to good use and imitate people of the truth. Um, verses 11 and 12. Dear friend, that, that, that marks the start of a new section. Do you remember in 3 John? It came in verse 2 and, and verse 5 began the same way. Dear friend. So we're starting a new section in verse 11. Dear friend, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. Anyone who does what is good is from God. Anyone who does what is evil has not seen God. Demetrius, we don't know anything more about Demetrius. Demetrius is well spoken of by everyone and even by the truth itself. We also speak well of him, and you know that our testimony is true. I mean, all of us are imitators, aren't we? That, that's sort of part of social interaction. We all sort of subconsciously imitate each other. If someone's talking to us and they fold their arms, then we fold our arms. If, 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 if we're talking to someone and they start to, to raise their pitch at the end of sentences, do you know people who do that? Then we start to raise our pitch at the end of sentences too. It's, that's just what we do. All of us are imitators. We can't help it. But we need to choose our role models carefully. That's what John's telling us, because we're going to become like them. And, and that's why he says in verse 9, do not imitate what is evil. Like, like Diotrephes, we've just been learning uh, about him in verse 9, do not imitate what is evil. He's, um, he's fragile, he's threatened, he's um, too aware of his status. And leaders like that have caused untold damage to God's church. People who are trying to build their own reputations incredible damage. Um, they, they, it says in verse 9, they love to be first. They're only happy when they're winning. They sort of feed off perceived success. Don't imitate what's evil, um, John writes to Gaius, but what is good. And, and how, how do you tell who's good? Well, by the evidence of their lives. You look at the evidence of their lives, the way they're living um, day by day. You can see that in verse 11. Anyone who does what is good is from God. Anyone who does what is evil has not seen God. Now you look at the evidence of their lives. That's how you know. Um, now, you wouldn't, just take, whoops, you wouldn't just take that verse out of context. Um, now, there are plenty of people who are doing good things out there in the world. That's true. You wouldn't give God the time of day. But when it, when it comes to finding a role model, that's what John's saying here. Look at the evidence of someone's life. And that's why the, the book of Hebrews says something like this. Um, you'll see it up on the screen. Hebrews 13, verse 7. Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Yeah. Look, look at the evidence. Look at the quality of their, of their Christian life. Or, or Paul says in 
1 Corinthians 11 verse 1, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. All of us follow people, consciously or unconsciously. There are all kinds of things that are learned just as much by example as by words. So, so find someone whose life shows not just that they've seen God, but that they are from Him. Yeah, choose your mentors. Um, I, I remember Don Carson talking about um, uh, an older Christian sharing the gospel, and they'd explained all about the, the evidence for the Bible and, and, and the true accounts that it contained historically, and they'd explained about the cross and the way that, that Jesus clearly took the punishment that, that we deserve, that there was forgiveness available, stunning forgiveness available to anyone prepared to ask for it. He'd explained all those things, and, and then the person that, that this older Christian was talking to asked what else Christianity was about, and this guy said, watch me. Watch me. Well, he said, you can come and stay in my house if you want to. Just watch the way that I live my life, and you'll see what kind of a difference this grace that I've been shown has made to my everyday reactions and, and all of my ambitions and, and, and what I do with my money and what my priorities are watch me and see the difference that it's made to my life. It's quite a courageous thing to say. To find a role model who you can watch. Find someone that you consider to be from God. You know, they don't have, um, they don't have fragile egos like diatrophies. Uh, they're humble. They're, they're, they're self-forgetful in that um, fantastic phrase of C.S. Lewis's. Um, they're servant-hearted. They're, they're well spoken of like Demetrius. You see that in verse 12? Demetrius is well spoken of by everyone and even by the truth itself. We also speak well of him, says, says John, and you know that our testimony is true. That's a sort of triple lock on his reputation. See, on, on, the, on this guy, Demetrius, he's well spoken of by everyone. People knew him. Yeah, I've, I've watched Demetrius, and I've seen that his life is genuine down the years. I can attest to that. Um, but because reputations can, can sometimes be false, he's also well spoken of by the truth. And, and, and that's like someone saying, yeah, that the gospel itself confirms that he's a good man. I, I, I read about the truth, and it, and it reminds me of Demetrius. And, and then just in case we're not sure, a personal reference from the Apostle John, uh, the, the one who Jesus loved, we also speak well of him and you know that our testimony is true. Imitate people of the truth. Now, not in a superficial way. Um, for a while, um, when I was a student, um, there was a preacher, he was actually rector of all souls for a while, called Hugh Palmer. And sometimes I'd imitate a slight sort of stutter that Hugh Palmer had because it, it seemed quite a good way of, of sort of waiting people, uh, making people wait for the point. And um, it sort of sounded emphatic. I'd, so I'd, 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 I'd imitate a slight stutter because I thought it was a sort of, I thought it was a good way of preaching. And, and I, I don't know why. I, I thought, well, it works for him. So maybe it'll, maybe it'll work for me. That, that's, that's not what John said. He's not saying imitate in, in a sort of stylistic way, but imitate their faith. For so, someone you believe to be from God, 
who's seen something of God, someone who the gospel commends, whose life has some goodness about it, watch them. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Imitate people of the truth. Because second of two points, right imitation leads to warm affection. Um, That's our last point from 3 John, and it comes from verses 13 and 14. Affirm friends in the gospel. That's how 3 John ends, verses 13 and 14. I have much to write to you, says John, but I do not want to do so with pen and ink. Literally with um, reed and black is the, is, is the original. This is a reed pen. I don't know if you've ever seen one of these. And you sort of dip it in, uh, you dip it in ink. They used to make their ink from charcoal from the fire. So it's called, um, it was called black because it, it's sort of black soot. And, and, and you use a reed pen like this. So that's what, that's what John writes. I don't want to write to you with, um, uh, with reed and black. But verse 14, I hope to see you soon and we will talk face to face, literally mouth to mouth. Peace to you. The friends here send their greetings. Greet the friends there by name. Um, every communication has, um, every, every text, every letter, every WhatsApp has a sort of main purpose um, in it somewhere. That's true, isn't it? And, and in, in one sense, the sort of burden of the letter that, that John has sent to Gaius is to, is to warn him about diotrophies. Um, verse 9, we learned he's, John's already written to the church. That letter was ignored. And now, verse 10, he wants the church to know that he's on the way. He's, he's got his tickets booked on train line, um, they're in the basket. He's, he's, he's planning on coming, and he's going to confront Diotrephes himself. That's the sort of main burden of the letter, I think. John, John is far more willing to blow the whistle on unhealthy leaders than, sadly, we've always been in the 21st century church. Um, but do you see his method? He's exposing unhealthy relationships by demonstrating a healthy relationship with Gaius. He's showing them what healthy relationships look, look like. He's, he's protecting the church by affirming true friendship in the gospel. He's reminding Gaius what healthy relationships look like. And three ways, even as he ends the letter, he's building this friendship with Gaius. First of all, he's prioritizing face-to-face communication. And verse 13, do you see how the words make the point? Um, he writes, I have much to write to you, more than we assume fits on one sheet of papyrus. This is about 300 words you can fit on one papyrus. He's probably um, just written one sheet of letter and sent it off to, to Gaius. I have much to write to you, but I do not wish to do so. The original uses the word write again, but I do not want to write with pen and ink. Instead, he says, I, I hope to see you soon, and we will talk face to face. And there's something very healthy, isn't there, about communicating person to person. That's a a very human way of getting to know someone, making time for a coffee, turning up at someone's door, not just shouting up the stairs at the kids. It's very easy to do that, but actually going to find them 
and, and talking to them face to face. One last story that I remember that I was told years ago by, the, by a minister of, of a church. He was walking um, into the church office um, with a member of his staff team, um, he said, in, in order to get to the church offices. And, and they came across some people from church. And um, the member of the staff team just kind of kept walking through the, through the church members um, and said, sorry, I've got work to do. Um, and, and the minister made the point to the member of the staff team, these people are your work. You see, it, the, the, the work of ministry is the, is the work of meeting people. It is frighteningly easy to forget that. You know, you, you can send official emails and, and you can put their name on sort of spreadsheets. You can be perfectly organized. You can work behind the scenes. You can keep the website bang up to date. And your social media is just sort of glowing. But you can't run a church from behind a laptop. You know, in the end, our work is people. And, and, and we'll prioritize what is face-to-face, what is relational in that most human way. Prioritizing face-to-face communication. Secondly, praying for the peace of Jesus. Just three words, verse 15, peace to you. Um, it's a standard enough greeting, but it's sort of loaded with new, meeting, new meaning after, with, after the resurrection by Jesus. You remember he meets up with his disciples. Um, peace to you, says Jesus. John would have actually heard Jesus saying those words. The risen Jesus would have said those words to him. Peace to you. And, and now he's passing them on to Gaius. And he's saying, Gaius, um, you're going to need peace, I imagine, if you're in a church where Diotrephes is spreading malicious nonsense. And and probably peace is going to be in quite short supply. So peace to you. You know, Jesus' peace be with you. And and then a third way that he sort of establishes this Christian friendship. He he calls Christians friends. There's something very unique about about the final couple of sentences of 3 John. I don't, know, I don't know whether you notice this. As the friends here send their greetings, greet the friends there by name. I mean, firstly, do you notice this individual? Greet, greet them by name. Everyone is an individual in God's church. Everybody matters. Christians don't lose their personal identity when they gather. We're to recognize each other for who we are personally. Um, But there's something else that you might notice from that last couple of sentences. The fact that the church is referred to as the friends. In every other instance where a a letter's closing in the New Testament, in fact, almost every other reference to a church in the New Testament, then people are called the the brothers, literally, or, or the believers. This is the only time in the New Testament where they're called the friends. The friends. Where friendship is the defining factor in the local church. See that? Perhaps, perhaps John's remembering the words of Jesus from John 15. Do you remember what Jesus said? Greater love 
has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants, says Jesus, because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I called you friends. For everything that I learned from my Father, I've made known to you. Friends of Jesus Christ in the gospel. Affirm friends in the gospel. We're brothers and sisters. We're believers. But in John's eyes, we're friends. Right imitation leads to warm affirmation of gospel friendship. John's message all the way through has been about healthy Christian relationships based on truth and love. Do you remember that verse 4? Dear friend, this is after he's lived 90 years probably of his life. He says, I have no greater joy. How many different joys must he have experienced in that long life? I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Celebrating when our, our kids, when other churches, when young leaders in our church surpass us because they're walking in the truth of the gospel. No greater joy. Could you say that? When another Christian's doing well. In verse 6, dear friends, the brothers and sisters have told the church about your love, supporting gospel mission, opening our homes, welcoming strangers, known for our love. Will, will people say that about us as a church? And then verse 14, greet the friends there by name, the friendship of the local church. Um, in just a minute, we're going to break and then we're going to sing a song and, and, and there'll be time for questions. I hope you're sticking those on the app as we, as we go through. But just as we finish this series, um, let me give you five habits that you might want to start as a result of the three John series. You, could, you can think of much better ones than me, I'm sure. This is just a, a, a sort of starter for 10. But here are five suggestions. Here are five things you might want to think about doing as a result of this look at this tiny letter at the end of the New Testament. First of all, start telling people how joyful you are that they're persevering in the truth. Have you ever done that? Who's, who's your oldest Christian friend? Phone them up. Why not begin with them? Number two, st start making sure that you're clear on the truth. In about 300 words, then the, the Apostle John mentions truth seven times. He says we need to be faithful to the truth. So start making sure that you're clear on, on what that means, on what Christians believe. There's some great books that sort of summarize Christian truth. My great uncle David gave me one called Evangelical Belief. It's out of print now, but there's a, there's a great one which is up on the screen, Know the Truth by Jim Packer. Terrific book. Maybe it's time to become more familiar with Christian truth. Um, Number three, start taking an interest in our mission partners, um, those who we sent out for the sake of the name, as three John would put it. Um, you'll see some, you see them at the bottom, uh, Johnny and Nay on the left, uh, laboring away in Brussels today. Um, Neil and Abigail down in, down in Croydon. Uh, Christian and the rest of the cross-teach team uh, meeting up assemblies, schools all over London, crisscrossing the capital city to tell young people about Jesus, and then James and Lucy Buchanan in Johannesburg, all the way down in South Africa. Support them in prayer. Even if they're strangers to you, even if you don't know them, then 
support them, pray for them, think about them, ask if there's anything that they need. That's number three. Um, number four, uh, this is for the decision makers and the, and the leaders at Trinity. Appoint leaders at Trinity who don't need to be first, please. Watch, watch out for people who might be competent but love to be first. Be careful of those people. Appoint leaders who are teachable, who listen, who meet people face to face, who level with them personally. And then number five, learn people's names at church so that you can greet them here as friends. Because we, we, we want our church to be a place of genuine, healthy relationships, don't we? Let's pray for those things and, and let's pray peace to one another in the truth and the love of Jesus. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for the challenge of 3 John. Thank you for friendship in the gospel. Thank you for people who have seen flourish in, in, in the truth and, and in love. Thank you, Father, uh, for those who we can look to and whom the, the truth speaks well of. Um, when we read the gospel, it re reminds us of them, um, people we want to be like. I, I pray, Father, that we would imitate mature Christians. Um, and I pray, Father, we'd have peace. In a church where sometimes our relationships are difficult, I pray we'd have peace. And I pray that we would walk in love and truth. Please give us the healthy Christian relationships that the gospel entails. And we ask in your name. Amen.